You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show, and I just want to take a few moments here before I go any further and thank everyone for all the very kind messages, notes, and emails that I received Over the last two weeks, I was out sick, and I'm fine. I'm back on my feet again, but I just want to thank everybody for uh, having sent me those very kind messages. So sorry we didn't have a show last week, and we had a rebroadcast week before that, but the old man was uh, not feeling well at all, but I'm back up on my feet. And here to bring you the show. Now, before we go into the regular kind of setup that we have, news, music, etc., 
I got to tell you that in the last two weeks that I have been away, the world seems to have lost its damn mind. And we're going to be talking about that tonight. In fact, this is going to be a little unusual version of your normal Now You Know show fair because we're going to cover a whole lot of stuff tonight. Hopefully, we're going to be able to get it all in because there's a lot to be said and a lot to be discussed. But before we discuss any of it, I got a little story to tell y'all. And uh, it's a personal little story. And this goes back, oh, quite a few years now. Uh, we Sometimes it's hard for me to quite keep up with the fact that we're uh, in uh, 2016. Uh, but this story goes back, oh, about 30 years. And uh, it goes back to a time when there was this young dude. And he grew up in a little nowhere Texas town where the main street of the town was uh, Interstate Highway. And if you blinked when you drove through it, you missed it. It was a little one-horse town, and both butchers were fighting over that. And this kid had uh, dreams. He wanted to uh, get out of that little town, and he did. He got out real early, a lot earlier than probably he should have, left home 15 years old in the back of a pickup truck of a friend who was moving away. And he went and moved to, uh, well, what was for him the big city. It ain't the big city, to tell you the truth, but It was for our young lad in the story. And this loved radio. He listened to radio all the time. He had listened to radio growing up, listened to radio with his grandparents, and listened to old rebroadcasts on AM, late-night AM stations of stuff that most people my age aren't familiar with. But uh, some of you older folks are. He had listened to Fibber McGee and Molly. He had listened to the great Gildersleeve. Listened to Burns and Allen. Listened to the Inner Sanctum. And he also listened to all those great old DJs. um, Who were starting to kind of fade away in the 70s and in the 80s. Wolfman Jack and Percy Checker and all the rest, and this kid loved radio. And uh, our young fellow in our story moved to, like I said, this what he thought was the big city because it was a college town. And he kind of found his way into a lot of different things, typesetting, printing, and also radio. And throughout the years... He got the opportunity to work a little bit in college radio, a little bit in uh, low amplitude, uh, low broadcast, about two, three block area pirate radio, if any of y'all know what the hell I'm talking about there. Street radio, 
If you know what street radio is, that's where basically the quote-unquote radio station is inside a little shop and you just broadcast it out in the street. Nobody hears you except the people in the shop and the people in the street, etc. And then as time went on and technology changed, uh, the cat in our story got to start doing um, internet DJing and DJing through internet radio stations. And all of this, please understand when I mean when I talk about a DJ, I'm not talking about the new DJs that we have. The new DJs that we have are artists in their own right, meaning they blend music, not just through playing it. They create new music. I'm talking about old disc jockey, you know, the guy with the voice in between all those songs who kind of lulled you along, kind of a storyteller for songs. And way back when, in our story, when our young lad got his first chance to ever go live on the radio by himself, I understand now. Nobody else is there. You're not a gopher. You're not just some little helper. You're not some extra voice in the background. You're not some guy making sure tapes and records are all lined up for the real DJ. You actually got to make a set and go on and do an hour, two hours, four hours. Uh, Our young fellow, music of the day. Songs that he liked. And some of them were old and blew people's minds, like, why is he playing that old stuff? Some of them were new and blew people's minds because they had never heard it before. And some of them were popular, and people liked that popular music. And one of the first songs he ever started with, a set under the non de plume of who he was, uh, which was Dr. Love. Dr. Love started his first set with a little song by a man by the name of Prince Rogers Nelson, otherwise known as Prince, who was born June 7th. 1958 and left us today for 21st 2016 so before I take another breath before I go any further on this show this is for you Prince we will remember you well We are gathered here today to enter this thing called life. A lecture word, life, that means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day, day, or night, night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one that definitely be all right.
And as Dr. Love would say, <clears throat> oh yeah, baby, that was Prince with Let's Go Crazy. And so that was going out to the memory of a great artist that we lost today. Moving on to what's been going on around here. Well, folks, we've had about four or five days solid of rain. And that's here in north central Texas. We have had lightning, the likes of which I have scarcely seen. I have been woken up now three nights in a row to the house rumbling and shaking and shuddering, not to the strains of rock and roll music, but to the booming echoes of thunder. And whereas all this rain is somewhat good for us up here, in the northern part of Texas, that, of course, has led to dramatic flooding in South Texas, in Houston and related areas. And our thoughts go out to all the people out there who have been flooded out, who are trying to deal with that. We have had tons and tons and tons of rain here, people, I'm telling you. Like the idea of me sweeping off the front walk is just forget about it. That ain't happening. We've had uh, golf ball-sized hail, ping-pong-sized hail, lightning, thunder, you name it, we've had it. And, uh, in fact, it was thunder and lightning this morning, uh, waking me up yet again. So that's what's been going on here in uh, my little part of Texas. Also, I want to mention that tomorrow at sunset, uh, we'll begin uh, Passover. Tonight is Erev Peshach, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in the pontification. Um, but I do want to tell you that an interesting thing came out of the newsroom. Wink brought this across to me uh, this afternoon when we were getting ready and setting the show up. And apparently, Rabbi Chaim Kanovsky uh, who is considered the leading living Orthodox rabbi, has ruled that marijuana is kosher lepesha, kosher for Passover. Uh, this is not a joke. I'm not making this up. It's not a cute little ha-ha-ha thing. Oh, the now you know show. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. Um, he, has, can see, he has made a ruling now, this is just a ruling by him, of course. This is not a ruling in cooperation with the rest of any rabbinic group. But in his opinion, marijuana is kosher for Passover. It is not kinyot, uh, which means it's not one of the uh, forbidden non-direct grains. Uh, and uh, he has said, as well as other rabbis, uh, including some uh, rabbinic groups, have said that marijuana is permitted for medical purposes. And uh, during this ruling, he was given some marijuana, and uh, he sniffed at the leaves and examined them carefully, and he said that not only was this plant kosher for Peshach, for Passover, but that it also had a healing smell, according to him, and then he said a blessing over the leaves. So there you go, there you go, all you people yesterday doing your 420 thing, guess what? Marijuana is kosher for Passover. 
Also in a related story, the conservative rabbinate, that is the group of conservative rabbis of the conservative stream of Judaism, have ruled that things that were previously kinyot for the conservative stream are no longer. You may now have corn and rice, as well as lagoons, for Passover. They are now considered kosher for Passover, which all of our Sephardic brothers and sisters could have told you that 2,050 years ago, but there you go. Okay, I'm sure you are just overcome with anticipation to know that uh, corn, rice, and lagoons are are kosher for Peshach. I'm sure that's just, you know, wow, I couldn't wait to hear that news. Okay, like the only non-Jew I know who gives a damn about that is Candelo Kimbisa, because it means like he'll be able to get that from, you know, the places that he eats, you know. So there you go. That's my news. And so there you go. That's our little shout out to what's going on around here and our little tribute to Prince. You will be missed. I started out my career in the radio biz with you, and uh, it's hard to believe you're gone. Mind you, it's hard to believe, for me to believe to this day that anyone, anytime, any place continues to give me a live microphone. This is baffling to me that anyone would put a live microphone in front of Professor Porterfield. But, hey, some people like that. And speaking of live microphones, there's a hot one, meaning it's live, right now across the hall in front of our own Phil Patchy Fog in the LMC Radio Newsroom. Let's go over there. Good evening. Today is Thursday, April 21st. This is Philip Fogg reporting. Today is the 112th day of 2016. There are 60 days until summer begins and 254 days left in the year. Tomorrow is April's full moon, which is called the full pink moon also known as the sprouting grass moon, the egg moon, and the fish moon. Today and tomorrow are auspicious days to can fruits and vegetables, mow to slow growth, prune trees, go hunting, jar jams and jellies, and slaughter. The 21st through the 23rd, are good days to start seed beds. The 21st is a favorable day for planting above-ground crops, especially cabbage, cauliflower, lettuce, kale, celery, and other leafy vegetables. The 22nd and 23rd are good days for transplanting, as well as for planting beets, carrots, radishes, turnips, peanuts, and other root crops as well as leafy vegetables. The 22nd to the 23rd are the best days for evening fishing this month. Today's highlight in history comes to us from 
1926, when Britain's Queen Elizabeth II was born in Mayfair, London. She was the first child of the Duke and Duchess of York, who later became King George VI and the Queen Mother. Christened Elizabeth Alexandra Mary, the princess became monarch upon the death of her father in 1952, beginning a 64-year-old reign surpassing that of Queen Victoria. Also on this date, in 1649, the Maryland Toleration Act, providing for freedom of worship of all Christians, was passed by the Maryland Assembly. In 1789, John Adams was sworn in as the first Vice President of the United States. In 1836, an army of Texans led by Sam Houston defeated Mexican forces at San Jacinto, assuring Texas independence. In 1910, author Samuel Leghorn Clemens, better known as Mark Twain, died in Reading, Connecticut at age 74. In 1930, fire broke out inside the overcrowded Ohio Penitentiary in Columbus, killing 332 inmates. In 1940, the quiz show that asked the $64 question, Take It or Leave It, premiered on CBS Radio. In 1955, the Jerome Lawrence Robert play, Robert Lee play, Inherent the Wind, inspired by the Scopes Monkey Trial of 1925, opened at the National Theater in New York. In 1960, Brazil inaugurated its new capital, Brasilia, transferring the seat of national government from Rio de Janeiro. And in 1976, clinical trials of the swine flu vaccine began in Washington, D.C., Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to Britain's Queen Elizabeth II, who is 90 today. Actress-comedian writer Elaine May is 84. Actor Charles Groening, 81. Actor Rene Santoni is 78. Anti-death penalty activist sister Helen Pregine is 77. Singer-musician Iggy Pop is 69. Actor Tony Danza, 65. Actor James Morrison, 62. Rock singer Robert Smith of The Cure is 57. Rapper Michael Frontini of Spearhead is 50. And actor Toby Stevens is 47. Our thought for today comes from writer Charlotte Bronte, who was born this day in 1816 and died in 1855. She said, I try to avoid looking forward or backward and try to keep instead looking upward. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Super 
suspicion. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me. May you be. Haven't been. Hey, that's mommy. Yeah? Yeah, man. Well, open it. Put my trunk in group for dust. Cause you know someday may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, yes, and you need not just trust in Goofer Dust, as said by the Nicholas Brothers, because we have the lucky numbers for you here each and every week. And before we go on to them, we also want to send out birthday greetings to AIR members Miss Phoenix, whose birthday is tomorrow, and Papa G, whose birthday is on the 26th. Good, happy days. This week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And they are 13, 15, 19, 24, 32, and 42. Once again, those lucky numbers are 13, 15, 19, 24, 32, and 42. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 477. That's 477. 6 hundred and seventy eight that's six seven eight and eight one two that's eight hundred and twelve I'm sorry I said that wrong I'll say it again that last number is eight one two that's eight hundred and twelve the card of the week is the queen of diamonds well this card connotes sensuality, sexuality, and profit through emotions and love. This is also known as the mistress. This is a very good week to consider your love and consider those close to you. If you have allowed your heart to harden or you have been feeling a certain waning of passion, and sexuality, this is a week to re-explore it and attempt to come back into line with it. This is a week in which those who make money through emotion, whether they be writers, artists of any kind, workers, or those involved in the sporting life, will see an excellent opportunity for increase in business and profit. Up next, we're going to go over to our own rising star, Miss Loretta Evans, for Cooking with Miss Loretta Evans. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Give with the gravy, Davy. Everybody eats when they come to my house. 
try a tomato plate too. Here's cacciatore, dore. Taste the bologna, Tony. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Hello, y'all. This is Miss Loretta Evans from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas. Today, I'm going to be telling you how to make easy-baked potato soup in your slow cooker. Now, for this recipe, you will need the following. Ten red potatoes cut into cubes. Three tablespoons all-purpose flour. Three-fourths a cup of bacon bits. And when I say bacon bits, I don't mean those shaky, shaky bacon bits. I mean you're actually going to cook up and cut up bacon to make three-fourths of a cup. One small red onion chopped. One clove of garlic minced. One tablespoon of chicken bouillon granules or an equivalent amount of chicken stock. One tablespoon of dry ranch dressing mix. Two tablespoons dried parsley. One teaspoon seasoned salt. One half a teaspoon ground black pepper. Three cups of water, one cup of half and half, one cup shredded cheddar cheese, and one-fourth of a cup chopped green onions. And you can always use more of those if your tastes prefer. The prep time on this is about 15 minutes. Cook time is 7 hours and 15 minutes, and it's ready to serve in 7 hours and 30 minutes. To start this, put your potatoes in the bottom of your slow cooker and scatter the flour over the potatoes and then toss to coat. Scatter bacon bits, red onion, garlic, chicken bouillon, ranch dressing mix, parsley, seasoned salt, and black pepper over the potatoes. Pour the water into your slow cooker, covering your potatoes on low, the low setting of your crock pot, for seven to nine hours. Pour the half and half into the soup and cook it another 15 minutes, and then garnish with cheddar cheese and green onions to serve. This is a very easy, easy recipe to make. It only takes about 15 minutes prep time, and then you can walk away from it. And because of what seems like the extremely long time to cook it on the slow setting, that actually means that you can go on about your day. You can go on and head on into work or take the kids on to school, do your house chores, or do whatever it is that you need to do. And know that in the evening when everybody's come home and everything's put away and you're so hungry and so ready to eat, all you've got to do is 15 minutes before serving, add your half and half, stir it in, and then serve it up and garnish it. And it's a delicious, hearty, hot meal for you and your family. 
I hope you all give it a try, and I hope you enjoy it as much as my kids did when they were growing up. Thank you so much for listening, and now off to Professor Porterfield and the pontification. Bye-bye. Thank you, Miss Loretta. You know, that's a... I'm not actually a big potato soup fan, and that actually sounded pretty good to me. You know? Uh, I kind of like that. I like most of what she comes up with. I mean, there's only been, like, maybe one thing she's ever talked about on the radio that I've kind of gone, I don't know about that. You know, but that sounds pretty good, and it's a good point. You know, it does allow you that ease of having something already cooking that you don't have to stand over or watch or do whatever. Up next, the professor's pontification. You might call this pontification my State of the Union address. You see, in the last, oh, 62-plus episodes, I've received a number of letters, messages, emails, private messages, instant messages, anything that has the word message in it. And I've collected those and have them. And I'm going to be, uh, well, I'm going to be addressing them. Um, like I said, I can't believe they give me a live mic. So tonight we're going to go to the mailbag and hope that we've got it here. Uh, do Johnny, did, do we have the, do we have all the mail printed out? Do we? Oh, please. Oh, please, please, Mr. Postman.
Oh, yeah. Wow. We listen. Name it and claim it tonight. Boom. Goes to Cat Ironwood. I mean, bang. She had it. Minute it started. That was, in fact, the Marvelettes with Please, Mr. Postman. Boom. She got, she got, she got the cookie. She got the cookie. Well, tonight, listen, listen, can you hear it? Can you hear all the paper? Can you hear all the paper in my folder here? This is, I have a accordion folder, okay? And I have all these letters that I've been sent. And I'm going to read them, and we're going to pontificate about them. It's a little unusual, isn't it? You can, you know, a little different thing. They might take the show away from me after this, folks, so listen close. Um, Here's the thing. I'm going to be reading these letters, and I'm going to be responding to them and trying to answer them as best I can, and I make you only one promise. I promise, I promise, I will not name your names out loud on the air, because y'all know who you are. So, there you go. That's, I will keep your anonymity safe. We have received these letters uh, throughout, well, you know, a year plus now. And uh, some of them we've read and answered on the show because they were uh, pertinent to that moment in time. And some of them have been allowed to collect up so that we could read them. Now, inevitably... Uh, someone's going to say uh, uh, something. What does it have to do with who do? Yes, that's, hey, you're here. Yeah, that's right. Wow, you were, and you were on spot. That someone's been teaching you, huh? Yeah, no, you just nodding. Okay, run along. Now, seriously, go find Miss Loretta and get a sandwich. Okay, baby, bye-bye. That's correct. Someone's going to say, well, what does this have to do with who do? Well, what this has to do with hoodoo is that the show is primarily about hoodoo, and these are letters uh, about the show. So we're going to read them, okay? And I do not promise that any of them are going to be comfortable. Some of these are very uncomfortable letters. So we're just going to dive in in no particular order. This isn't, you know, like, this isn't a staged thing, kids. This isn't like, a, oh, he's going to build up. He's got a narrative going. No, they're letters. Okay? So let's start with this one. This is a, an anonymous letter. Well, the person attempted to remain as anonymous as possible. And uh, they wrote into the show, and they say, uh, dear Professor Porterfield. Well, that's very nice. Dear Professor Porterfield. It seems to me, as a fan of the show, that you go on quite a bit about racial issues. I'm not sure that I am comfortable with this, nor do I think others are. Do we really need to discuss race? When we do so, aren't we really dividing ourselves up rather than unifying ourselves as one people? Isn't hoodoo really for everyone, regardless of where they come from? Okay, the first uh, letter, and we're going to now try to address that. 
really going to try to address that. Let's address this one backwards. Let's, let's address this letter backwards. Let's go from the bottom statement into the top statement. Isn't hoodoo for everyone regardless of where they come from? Hoodoo, conjure root work, can be for anyone. So be it as long as they know where it comes from, that they approach it with a level of respect and dignity to where it comes from and are sensitive to that and keep that firmly in their minds at all times and do not attempt to subvert it into something else or attempt to whitewash it that was a carefully chosen word, kitties, into something that it was not, tribute it to individuals or groups that were not its originators. In that case, then yes, anyone can practice hoodoo, particularly for themselves. All right? Not everybody who does work needs to be a public professional worker. In fact, that is counterintuitive to uh, and contrary to the history of hoodoo. All right? Not everybody did this as a profession. I would say, in general, the largest bulk of people who have practiced or done hoodoo have done it for themselves, for themselves, for their family, for their own needs. They didn't have a shingle out, okay? They weren't out, you know. Maybe they did it for a good friend, but that's about it. That answers that part. Now let's move into the rest of this question. When we discuss race, don't we merely break up the fact that we are all one people and make racism worse? No. No, we do not. No, we do not, and that is no offense, a ridiculous proposition. It's absolutely fucking ridiculous. All right? Because when we discuss race, we are not necessarily discussing it in a negative manner. We're not saying better than, worse than, etc. We're saying belongs to, originated, did, does, has, comes from, is a part of. We're not trying to separate people up here. The fact of the matter is people have different racial backgrounds. People have different racial upbringings. People have different racial traditions. People have different racial foods, sayings, expressions, modes of movement, of speech, of how they are in the world. Okay? The discussion of that does not encourage racism. Racism is the use and abuse of systemic power, of systematic power, to oppress people based on their race. Okay? That's what the fuck racism is. And it is done... It is perpetrated by those who have the power, meaning if you don't have power, you can't do it. 
oh, that's bullshit. I hate when people say that because black people can be racist, oriental people can be racist, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, let me just stop you right there and tell you that there are correct usages of words and incorrect usages of words, and I don't give a shit if you don't have a good thesaurus and dictionary in your fucking house. It's not my goddamn issue. People of other races can be bigoted. They can be ridiculously bigoted. They can be prejudiced. They can be ridiculously prejudiced. They can be hateful. They can engage in hatred. They can be nasty, wicked, evil, ignorant. But if they don't have power over a system, then they cannot be racist. They cannot employ the power of the system to oppress. Does that mean that if you go someplace else in the world, the rules kind of changes? Does that mean that uh, you know, oh, Chinese people can't be racist because it's just something that happens in America and we're going to have this American-centric thing. No, that's bullshit. If you doubt that, talk to some fucking Tibetans. Ask them how the fuck it's going for them with the Chinese, okay? Those in power can do this, but you have to be in power because without that power, you can't really limit people. Okay, And racism isn't about solely – is not solely about bigotry and prejudice. It's about oppression. Okay, There are lots of people who call each other all kinds of names, and it's goddamn ugly, and it's hurtful, and it's wrong, and we should be above it. But that's not keeping you from voting or having a job or being able to walk the streets in safety, or having your kids go down to the 7-Eleven and buy fucking Skittles and tea and come home alive. Okay? So there you go. So when we talk about it, what we do is we shed light on it. When we talk about racism, we point out that it's going on to demand a better day. Silence doesn't bring you anything. When we discuss race, we are not discussing racism because we are not making a judgment value. This isn't Victorian anthropology here, kids. Okay, well, oh, we Victorians are so perfect, and everyone else let us anthropologically examine all the people that are inferior to us. And of course they're inferior to us because they're not Victorian in English, people. <laughs> We're not doing that. We're just saying this thing comes from this place. All right? Now, I don't know the person who wrote this letter. They're not, they're not a personal friend of mine. They're not someone I associate with. They're just some cat that wrote me a letter, okay? And I don't really want to get into a guessing game about people's intentions because that way lies madness and, and, and just horrible mistakes. But I will say this. Often people say this, okay? They, what they're wanting to do is to silence. They're wanting to shut down a discussion, okay? Because it is of benefit to them to have the discussion silenced. It's of benefit to them to not have race discussed. 
And I'm going to go one step further. Often when you hear this statement, as we heard in this letter made, there is an implicit subvoco. There's an implicit kind of under thing here that white Protestant heteronormative people are the default people. That's the default human being. The default person is white. The default person is Christian. The default person is, you know, American, is heterosexual, etc. That's not the default person. Okay? First of all, it's not the default person from a statistical point of view. Not if you're talking about the world population. If you're talking about the world population, the, the, the quote, default person is uh, going to be uh, female and Asiatic, okay? And, in fact, may be Muslim, okay? So not the default. Second of all, it's not really the default in America, what it is, is it's the illusionary default. It's the proof of that thing we were talking about earlier. See, people say, oh, the proof is in the pudding. Well, actually, no no, no offense to you, but uh, the, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting, is actually the expression. And this is the tasting. Why do we have to talk about, oh, let's not talk about Ray B. I'm the default individual. And that, see, what you've done by kind of going into this room is you've kind of proved that by that attitude that you have the sensation that you are the person in power. Now, maybe your heart is clean. Maybe you're actually a good person and you really do want an end to racism, etc. And you really somehow do believe that by not discussing it, it'll go away because obviously that fucking works out for everything else, right? Because like rape statistics go down immediately the minute we stop discussing rape, right? And child abuse just vanishes when you don't talk about it. And, and, you know, and as long as hungry people are not talking, they get fed, right? That's the way that's always been in human history. Eh, wrong. So, but by taking a position like that, even in earnest, even in a, from a, a good place, okay, you're still proving that you kind of believe that you're the person in power, that you're the person that has the say-so. And so, no, no. We are going to continue to talk about race. We're going to continue to talk about racism, and we're going to continue to talk about all of that and how that relates to hoodoo on this show. And I, I'm sorry if it makes you uncomfortable, but maybe, just maybe, sometimes it is in the listening or the taking in of what makes us uncomfortable that makes us grow. You know, maybe growth and change doesn't come out of comfort solely. You know, maybe sometimes we have to confront these things to deal with them. Moving on, uh, let's see. Uh, dear Professor Porterfield, 
Uh, thank you so much for the Now You Know show. We listen to it here exclusively every week, and it reminds me so much of the old radio broadcasts when I was a kid. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. Uh, I like hearing that. And we, I really enjoy listening to it. We do not watch much television or movies here and instead listen primarily to radio and internet radio and podcasts. Yours is one of those we enjoy so very much. Do you ever feel that the show is a little too formulaic? Okay. Uh, that's a, that's a lovely letter. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad that you enjoy the show and I'm really glad that, you know, um, you enjoy it, and that that was really high praise to me that it reminds you of shows of the of the old days. Do I think the show's formulaic? No, I don't think the show's formulaic enough. Okay, let me just let me just lay this out for you here, hundred percent. This show would be even more formulaic if I could get away with it. Okay, if I could just figure out in my head how to make this show more formulaic, I would. And I'll tell you why. Having a show that is formulaic means that people can tune in at certain times and find the piece of the show they want. It means they know what's coming next. It means that they get to, you know, kind of scale what they're doing. Oh, he's going to play a song. This is when I can go get chips or popcorn or whatever. You know, no, I like formulaic, uh, particularly in terms of radio, because the radio I was brought up with and the radio I was trained to do uh, was formulaic. Now, within that formula, however, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go off the rails here too much and start discussing the uh, system of radio presenting to you, but let's just have a brief moment of discussion of the artistry of this because it is an art believe it or not I'm, I'm not an artist but this there is an art to this within that formulaic presentation inside your individual moments is where you break formula that's where as an example you don't know what the pontification is going to be about every week and it's never broadcast it's never up in the ads okay so you know there's going to be a pontification but you don't know what it's going to be about and that makes people want to listen, okay? You don't know what the jokes are going to be, because if you did, they wouldn't be jokes. You wouldn't enjoy them. You don't know what the news is going to be, except it's going to be in relationship to the day, or who's going to necessarily read it, who's whoever's in our newsroom, etc. And that allows for creativity. That That is the place that your uh, creativity happens. But again, like I said, I'm not going to try to get off the rails here and get into this whole thing about, you know, uh, radio presentation. And that's not why you tune in. Um, Professor P. Lots of people call me that. Professor P. Like the show. It's really good. I listen to it a lot. Uh, why don't you have more call-ins? I like the other shows on the LMC radio network because people can call in. Would love to call into your show. Uh, thanks. Okay. Great. Uh, another another excellent kind of uh, radio question here, and we'll try to uh, answer that. Why do we not have a call-in show? 
We don't have a call-in show because, as you just pointed out, we have lots of other shows on the network that are call-in shows. People get to call into Candelo's Corner. People get to call into the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour. Those are both on Monday and Sunday, respectively. And I don't feel the need to have another call-in show. That being said, there's only so much time. There's only so much time. Where am I going to put a call-in segment? You know, where am I going to put a call-in segment? That We may have a, a time in the future where we do a dedicated call-in show. You know what I'm saying? We may do a dedicated call-in show, you know, once, twice, three times a year. Maybe, maybe, um, if people really want that. But it's really not what we're doing here. What we're really doing here is trying to talk through these issues and, and, and whatnot. And then, of course, the other thing is, unlike the old days, we have a chat room. And if you listen to this show and you enjoy this show, I know timing can be hard. We've all got jobs and work and kids and schedules, but, you know, or grandchildren in my case, you know, if you come into the chat room, it's kind of like having a call-in. You can talk to all the other guests. You can talk to all the other listeners and talk to each other. And, you know, making a, a blog talk account just to be able to post is super easy, you know, and so you still get that. You get that energy. And sometimes we do talk about what's being discussed uh, in the uh, chat room. So, again, thank you for your letter. Up next, uh, by the way, I told you that I was just going to, you know, read these, right? I told you this was going to be uncomfortable, right? Right? Okay. Okay. Sir, I, let me tell you something. Um, let me just stop right there and tell you something. In general, <laughs> in general, when you get a letter or a message or a PM or something and someone starts with sir, comma, you know you've got one of two things here. Either they don't mean it at all, okay? I mean they, they didn't mean it at all. It was just literally the most remote you know, cold word they could find. Or you're dealing with someone who's very shy and kind of mannerful and, you know, they feel a little like, oh, I don't know quite how to approach you. It's one of those two. It's one of those two. Sir, how can you sit on the air every week and rob black people of their heritage and history now, the word here that I believe they're trying to use is perpetuating, but I can't tell because that's not the word, but I believe it's perpetuating. Perpetuating the continuation of Jewish exploitation of black folk traditions. You are little more than a typical peddler and a mercantile viper. Okay, well, I know where you got that phrase from. I know where you got that phrase from. Okay, mercantile viper, I know where you got that fucking phrase from. Told you this is going to be uncomfortable. Let's answer it. Shall we? First of all, you're a goddamn anti-Semite. Let's just start there. You're a fucking anti-Semite, okay? Let me 
outline it for you just so that you know why you are. A, you called me a peddler. B, you said the perpetuation of Jewish exploitation, which, of course, means that there's an assumption that there is, in fact, Jewish exploitation. And then C, you called me a mercantile viper. And these are all anti-Semitic tropes. Okay. Obviously, me and my people, we are all peddlers. We've all got our shit on our backs, and we're all wandering around with our grubby little fingerless grubs. You know, uh, you know, hey, hey, half off today, really nice street. You know, we're all doing that, right? We're do- and we don't, we're homeless, and you know, we don't belong anywhere, and we just, we're all in the street trying to make a deal. Okay, so. First of all, let me address the issue of the image of Jew as a nationless peddler. And let me address this as succinctly and kindly as I, Professor Porterfield, know how to. Oh, by the way, once again, at the top of the show, you may have heard the little thing that says the views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not represent those of the sponsors or their affiliates. So let's remember that. So – Let me just break that down for you as best as I can, as best as Professor Porterfield can. Fuck you. Okay? That's my breakdown on that. That's my breakdown on that. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You you bar my people from countries. You put us on fucking ships. You kill us. You destroy our temples. You send us out into the world. You move us into the pale. You move us out of the pale. You move us here. You move us there. And then you say, oh, you're a rootless, nationless people. Yeah, I wonder the fuck why. Then you deny us to be involved in certain industries. You give us shit jobs that you think the people will hate us for, like tax collectors. You let us do this. You let us do that. You let us do all the little shitty things that you don't want, you know, the dirt on your hands from. And then you fucking dare call us peddler. Okay? Then you call us peddler. Okay? Fuck you. Okay? Fuck you. Okay? I don't know. I don't know your racial background. I don't know where you're from. Okay? I I, I don't know anything because all I got was your nasty little note. And, you know, you didn't include any other fucking information about yourself. wonder why. And let me just tell you that when you call Jews peddlers and you talk about us being mer- mercantile vipers, you know what you're doing? You're saying, oh, well, you know, uh, black people, they's all got rhythm. They're all good at sports. They're all natural entertainers. See, you're doing the same fucking thing. Okay? Oh, Chinese people are all good at you know, math and numbers. Oh, Koreans are all good at, oh, Hispanics are, oh, man, man, they Mex- Mex- Mexicans, they work hard. That's what, they, you know, that's the thing. You're doing the same fucking thing. Okay? You're sitting in some place where you're accepting this pack of bullshit about a group of people who basically have, you know, made their way. Okay? Now let's get to the really good one. Perpetuating the Jewish exploitation. I don't have enough time in the show. I, I really don't. I, this needs to be like this. This need the, the show needs to be like six hours long just for me to answer this fucking letter. Let me try this. Okay, Jewish exploitation. Of late, there's been a lot of 
kind of shit floating around uh, about Jews. Um, and there are a number of reasons for that. A, anti-Semitism didn't go anywhere, assholes. I don't know why some of you think that, oh, you know, the Holocaust ended and that was the end of anti-Semitism. Uh, I don't know why you ever thought that, okay? Um, and so, A, anti-Semitism still exists. B, there's a, a Jewish guy running for president, okay? So, I, I saw this coming, all right? I mean, I saw this coming the minute that fucking happened, all right? Uh, and we've got a lot of people who like to tell Jews what it means to be Jews and how to be Jews and whether you're a good Jew or a bad Jew or a right Jew or a wrong Jew, an up Jew or a down Jew or my Jew or their Jew, okay? Including Miss Hillary Clinton, who, by the way, fuck you, Hillary. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm actually allowed to say that. I mean, I mean, you know, she does have like, you know, fucking secret service protection and crap, but you know, still fuck you, Hillary. Okay. And so here it is. Jews exploit. Yeah, of course we do. Right. Sure. Of course. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We, we exploit. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm not sure how. But apparently we do. And then somebody else tells it. Let me tell you the key to anti-Semitism. The key to anti-Semitism is that anti-Semitism is the contradictory bias, the contradictory prejudice, the contradictory hatred. You can take any hatred, any bias that you want, okay, and put it into an anti-Semitic mode of thinking – and you will get the exact opposite at the exact same time. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Jews are viperous merchants. Jews are capitalists. Jews are evil because they're money-grubbing, and they just love money, and Jews are all about capitalism and money, and that's why Jews are evil. That is an anti-Semitic trope. Here's another one. Jews are fucking communists. Oh, they, every fucking member of the Communist Party back in the old days was a goddamn Jew. There wouldn't be Bolsheviks without Jews. Uh, Karl Marx was a Jew. They're all Jews. Everything about fucking uh, communism is Jewish, and it's a Jewish conspiracy. Okay. Wow. Those two things go together. Not. All right. Jews are unclean and dirty. Jews are fastidious. And, and picky about their personal well-being and their clothes and their cleanliness. Again, doesn't go together. This goes on and 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 on. Okay? Um, in my life and in my friend uh, Catherine Ironwood's life, we have had this one. Jewish girls are really easy. Jewish girls are sluts. Like, Jewish girls are easy. Okay? Jewish girls are hot to trot. Jewish girls are all bitches, and they're money-grubbing, and they're fastidious, and they, they're just shrews who don't put out. Boom. Again, they're the exact opposite. Okay? <clears throat> Jews are very work ethic. They're all fucking workaholics. All they care about is work. Jews are lazy parasites who create nothing. Okay? That's what I mean when I say that anti-Semitism is the prejudice, the bias of contradiction, okay? It, it, it will always be contradictory. 
the two will always, you always have the two opposites, all right? The joke, I say, is this. When someone on the street uh, shouts bullshit at me, I can always tell whether they're on the right or the left. If they shout Christ killer at me, then obviously they're uh, on the right. They're a little more right-centered. If they shout baby killer at me, they're on the left. Unfortunately, I guess, uh, I'm neither of those things. Okay? Jewish exploitation is pure anti-Semitism because you don't say it about other things. All right? There's this big caught-up thing about the Jews this and the Jews that and the Jews so-and-so. And I'm talking here about America because I'm an American. Man, listen, we're we're about 1% of the population. So, and a lot of us, and I mean a lot of us are poor. Here's the news flash for you. Here's the news flash for you. There are poor Jews. I know a lot of them. In fact, poverty is a major issue inside the Jewish community. Didn't know that, did you? No, because so many people are caught up in this image. This letter is not a question. Okay? This letter right here is not a question. This letter is a proposition. This is a senator have you stopped beating your wife yet letter. Okay? Don't you feel bad, Professor Porterfield, that you're engaged weekly in this shit that I believe. No. No, I don't, because I don't accept your bullshit. I don't accept your crap, okay? I don't, I don't accept your premise. So sorry that I didn't play straw man for you correctly. Moving on, next letter. Professor Porterfield, you have said on a number of occasions on the show that hoodoo is not a religion, but is associated to certain religions, primarily Protestant Christianity. Do you honestly believe this? Can't you see that hoodoo is in fact a ATR and that it is a legitimate African traditional religion? No, I, I don't see that. Uh, this is, I think this is probably a little more honest question. I'm not sure where it's coming from, but I think this is a more honest question uh, than our last fucking question. Um, I don't see that. I don't see that. I see that Voodoo, voodoo is an African traditional religion, even though it has over it the draping of Catholicism. I see that Palo, that Santaria, that uh, Palamayombe, uh, that uh, all these other things have within them or are essentially African traditional religions or African diasporic religions. Yeah, I see that, but I don't see that in Hoodoo. I don't see that in Hoodoo because there is no litany, because there are no there is no deity beyond again primarily a Protestant Christian deity and sometimes a Catholic deity. Okay? So I don't see that. I don't see that. We don't have priests we don't have priestesses. We don't have initiates. We don't have uh, 
laity. We don't have a separation between, um, oh, those who are practicing and those who are the mass, the flock, if you will. I don't see it. I don't see it. Has that caused problems for hoodoo? Oh, yes, that's caused a huge amount of problems for hoodoo, uh, but it's also caused a huge amount of benefit for hoodoo. You see, let me tell you something right now that some people are not going to like. In my mind and from my position and from where I come from and what I see, hoodoo is primarily sorcery, for lack of a better word. I mean, you can find a better word probably, but I can't, and so that's my word. It's sorcery, meaning it is not primarily centric upon calling on exterior powers, whether those be deities, uh, angelic entities, ancestors, spirits. Does hoodoo have that? Yes, hoodoo does have that. Hoodoo does have that. But hoodoo is not primarily uh, a, a theology. Okay, it's not. It's not centered around it. So no, I don't see that. And I'm, and if you do, please write me back and tell me more because I I missed that someplace. And and maybe you didn't. Maybe you know something I don't. I'm I'm always I'm open to learning. Uh, next letter we have here. Oh, let me see. Let me just. Okay, next letter. Uh, Professor Porterfield, occasionally you talk about politics on the show. I enjoy this quite a lot, and I have seen that you have endorsed Bernie Sanders for president. Yes, yes, I have. Um, however, it appears that due to machinations – excellent word – machinations within the DNC that Bernie may not get the nomination even though that may be – excellently put, may be the will of the people. For myself, I refuse to vote for anyone else, and if he does not, I hope that as much chaos as can be created will be created. I would rather see Trump as president than have them cheat us one more time. <clears throat> okay. This is... Uh... This is going to take a little bit. What does it have to do with hoodoo? Well, probably a lot, but let's get in with this. Uh, dear writer, I completely understand what you're trying to express. <clears throat> I, uh, I understand the disappointment, the disillusionment, the hurt, uh, the uh, pain, and the disenchantment that you're no doubt feeling. And certainly I have felt it myself when I was 19, but I felt it. Um, but I have of late, um, I selected your letter to be one of the letters that I read tonight, because as of late, I have seen a lot of these calls for chaos. A lot of this kind of burn, baby burn shit. First of all, uh, let me quote a, a recent um, bit of humor that I read, saying, um, <clears throat> if I don't get to vote for Bernie Sanders, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, is like saying, if I go to McDonald's and they don't have 
a um, 20 piece chicken nugget when I order it, I'm going to eat 20 scorpions. Okay. Yum. Second of all, there seems to be a lot of popularity of this chaos call. And I want to separate this out because this is not really saying burn, baby, burn. The people that I have seen calling for chaos are not saying that the system is untenable and must be taken down. They are not revolutionary in any sense of the word. They just enjoy the idea of chaos. They just want chaos. They want madness and fire and death uh, because uh, fuck it, it'll 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 churn up something. It'll it'll change things. It'll it'll be different than the status quo. They are not in a revolutionary sense, calling for a destruction of the structures as they exist to be supplanted by something else. They're just calling for chaos. So here's my response to that. Fuck you. No, seriously. Even more so than, even more, even more so than the Jewish peddler dude. Fuck you. And here's why. Because you are calling for chaos at the level of someone who has some level of absolute privilege. Absolute. Uh, Let me tell you what Gustave Flaubert said. Gustave Flaubert said that inside every revolutionary, there's a policeman. Think on that. Seriously, think on that. Inside every revolutionary, there is a policeman, Flaubert. Okay? Think about that a minute. When you call for madness and chaos, what you've essentially said to me as an individual, because you address us as individuals, okay? I am now old enough that I can no longer address mankind. I can only address men. I can no longer address... Humanity. I can only address people. Okay. And when you call for, when you call for chaos, what you're essentially saying to my face, because I'm one of the people you're talking to, when you're saying that to my face, is what you're saying is, fuck your grandchildren. Let them starve. Let them burn. Let them die of disease. Because then the system will change. Fuck life. Fuck people. Fuck the aged, fuck the young, fuck the helpless. Let we, the able-bodied, young, Molotov-carrying revolutionaries, go into the street and burn, baby, burn! And fuck you. Fuck you that you don't care about my parents and my grandchildren. Screw you. Okay? That is in no way me saying, status quo, baby, don't make waves. Oh, no, let's make waves. Let's rock this fucking boat. boat. Let's fucking actually make some goddamn waves. And let's call out fucking privilege. And let's call out fucking racism. And let's call out fucking injustice. And let's fucking get in the streets. And let's fucking do something about that. But when that becomes nothing but madness, nothing but chaos, let's just burn to burn. 
let's just destroy to destroy. Hey, you know what? I think it'd be cool if I could sit in my apartment and watch the whole fucking world go nuts on the fucking internet because, man, that'd give me some sense of fucking satisfaction. And wouldn't that be cool? Fuck me, as you're literally looking in my face and saying, your grandbabies can starve. And everybody's grandbabies can starve. And everybody's children can starve. And everybody's aged parents can die. And everybody who's in a wheelchair can go fuck themselves. And everybody who cannot be a part of the night of purge, the the purge, they can go fuck. As far as I'm concerned, you are no more revolutionary than any goddamn jackbooted brown shirt wearing thug. That's how you're revolutionary. So let me again address the writer. I understand what you're feeling. I really do. It, It is a goddamn shame. And I have rarely in my life, and I'm not all that old, but I'm old enough, seen this level of chicanery in politics. But that is no reason to walk into anywhere and say, I'm Donald Trump's dude. Yeah, go Trump. Okay? That's bullshit. And it also means that you may not be perceiving how deep the chicanery runs. And I don't want to, you know, as my friend Cat Ironwood says, I don't want to come off like a conspiracy person here to you. But if you think for a heartbeat that people who are engaging in the chicanery are doing so solely along party lines or in a bipartisan kind of manner, you're you're nuts. Okay, this is this is this is in deep. All right, you don't pull off this kind of fucking madness. And chicanery and trickery and skullduggery just on one side. So um, so it seems that having read these notes, the pontification sum up for the evening is this. Thank you so much uh, to some of you. You're very kind. I hope we continue to bring you what you like. And fuck you to a bunch of other people. Uh, I didn't expect it was going to go that way, but there you go. And so that's been the mail. That's been the mail. I, I, you know, I'm just going to play some music now, and I'm just going to go out and get the papers. the papers and go home like I've been doing ever since we've been apart I get some consolation when I read of someone else's lonely heart I wonder if you get the papers too and if you feel melancholy as I do 
Um, just like Louis Armstrong in that song and me in the pontification and all of us here at the LMC Radio Network. Really, we're just trying to send a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network broadcasting around the globe bringing news Information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Kanjaman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candela's Corner, starring Candela Cambisa, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand, Wednesdays 5 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towelhead Chief Engineer here at the LMC Radio Network for that update of our show's each and every week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a few words from... What? What do you mean he can't... He he didn't... Seriously? Well, okay, who's going to do... Uh, okay. Uh, and now a few words... Uh, a few words from, from our sponsors with our own Miss Loretta Evans. Okay, no, I got it. I got it. Thank you, Johnny. No, no. No, Al couldn't make it, so... 
Oh, okay. Hello, folks. This is Miss Loretta Evans here to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Folks, did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magic shop and a real magic store that you can visit? They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Folks, why not come on down and visit them at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. And you can even bring your kids and see the wonderful train set they have there. It is so beautiful, and they are doing work on it constantly. And I just saw today that there has included a little river that's going to run through it. Your children will love to see it, and so will you. And then why not step over into the world's smallest church, folks. That's the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. And take a few moments of private prayer and meditation there in the beautiful and lovely setting of the world's smallest church before going on inside the Lucky Mojo Curio Company that's just next door and browsing through aisle after aisle of thousands of different items from all over the world. But if you can't get there in person, don't worry about it because they're online at luckymojo.com and you can sit down just by your lonesome and go see the most beautiful online catalog I have ever seen, ladies and gentlemen, and order every little thing that you would ever want. So once again, won't you come and visit us at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company here at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, or online at luckymojo.com. And folks, please take a few moments to consider coming out to this year's 9th Annual 2016 Hoodoo Heritage Festival. It is going to be so wonderful. There are going to be dozens of lecturers from all over this great land of ours talking about so many different spiritual paths and practices, including a terribly important workshop panel discussion on the use of magic in social justice. So come on down, folks, and see us. And when you come, tell them Miss Lorena said you. Bye-bye. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Miss uh, Miss Loretta. Um, sorry about that, folks. It appears that Count Goulash uh, was held up, and so uh, he wasn't able to make it, and so Miss um, Loretta uh, stepped in for him. Alfred, as she said. Uh, Alfred, is it? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell tales out of school. I happen to know they've been dating. I happen to know that they have been dating. Don't you do that! Okay, no, no, it's okay. Never mind. Never mind. Just just keep it keep it between us. Keep it between us. Up next, a little segment we like to call Divination and You. That's right, Divination and You. This week we're going to be talking about palmistry. 
so you know what you need to know when you go and see The Fortune Teller. as well as the shape of your hand, 
is used by the palmist or the palm reader uh, to analyze uh, your character, your nature, sort of like we see in uh, the uh, reading of one's uh, zodiac, uh, and also to foretell uh, your future, as well as possibly uh, make some notations about your past. And palmistry, along with card reading, is one of the more quote-unquote traditional forms of divination practiced in hoodoo and uh, root work. All right. Now, the roots of palmistry go back to India, and that is how it came into the Roma or Romani population um, about 5,000 years ago. And uh, there is a book. Um, which in English would be known as the teachings of Valmika Maharishi on male palmistry, uh, written on this from the Hindu sage uh, Valmiki. And it is about this particular subject. From India, it spread to China, Tibet, Egypt, uh, Persia, Europe, etc., and is said to have been practiced in China as early as. 3000 BCE and remains popular there to this day. Uh, in ancient Greece, uh, it was also played and was a, used or became a part of Pythagoras's development uh, of his numeric systems. It is a very ancient and old system. And obviously it has a number of different interpretations, which you can quickly figure out by seeing how many different cultures it's gone into. But it came into France and England and the Americas or simply became uh, very much a subject of interest there in the 19th and 20th centuries. And there have been hundreds upon hundreds of books written on the topic. In palmistry, what happens is that the character, the future, the fate, the life of the client is evaluated by the reader through the examination of their hand. Now, in this, the reader takes into account the shape of the hand and the fingers, the various uh, palmer creases or lines, which have names such as the heart line, the life line, the head line, and the mounds or bumps on the palms, such as the Mount of Venus, Mount of the Moon, Mount of the Sun. Additionally, some readers will also examine the relative length of the finger, the shape and condition of the fingernails, skin texture, fingerprints, skin patterns, um, as well as the strength of independent fingers in relationship to each other, gaps between them, and so on. Now, many palm readers will read the client's dominant hand, that is the hand that the client writes with or uses the most. Others want to see both hands at the same time and begin a comparison between the two, because in some traditions of palmistry, the non-dominant hand is to believe to carry hereditary or family traits. So as an example, a right-handed client with a stiff left hand and a flexible right hand 
may be said to have come from a rigid, inflexible family and to have become more adaptable and welcoming to change since leaving home. The symbolic framework for classical Western palmistry is rooted primarily in astrology, as you might have guessed from things like the Mount of Venus and Mount of the Moon and Mount of the Sun, and uses terms inherited from the ancient religions of Greece and Rome. Each area of the palm and fingers is related to one of the Greco-Roman planetary gods or goddesses, such as Apollo, Venus, or Luna, and the features found in that area of the palm indicate the nature of the corresponding aspect of the subject. So as an example, the ring finger is associated with the Greek sun god Apollo, and thus the characteristics of the ring finger are tied to a client's dealing with art, music, aesthetics, fame, harmony, etc., all areas over which that god had dominion. In This then develops into a extraordinary complex form of divination including major and minor lines. So we all know of the heart line, head line, life line. Some people have heard of the fate line. But then there are things such as the single palmer crease or simian line, the sun line, also known as the Apollo line, the health line, the line of intuition, the girdle of Venus, the ring of Solomon, the travel lines, union lines, etc., etc., And many people have heard of the Mount of Venus, but there is also the Mount of Jupiter, Saturn, the Sun, Mercury, the lower Mount of Mars, which is also known as the positive Mount of Mars, the upper Mount of Mars, or the negative Mount of Mars, the plane of Mars, the Mount of the Moon, the Mount of the Earth, etc., etc., etc. And on and on this goes. So this is very a very complex and very rich form of divination, which also goes into a certain degree of science and genetics, which relates to uh, markers that diagnose such things as uh, medical or mental or possibility of medical or mental disorders that show up in the hand. Scientific research has uncovered strong correlations between both the single uh, palmer crease and uh, uh, abnormal or atypical fingerprints and chromosomal disorders uh, such that they are shown in this, such as Edwards syndrome, Down syndrome, etc. And uh, atypical digit length can also have Uh, can include with the idea that one has one or more unusually short fingers or severely incurved fingers has also been correlated with a number of genetic chromosomal disorders and congenital uh, syndromes. So we again see a, a place, as we've talked about, where these things fall over each other. And palm reading, when done, by a well-trained and gifted uh, palm reader can be an excellent, excellent form of divination. I will say, however, also, how, uh, just I will just kind of bring this up lightly, that because it is so complex and because in the general society there are many people who have never had their palm read and know next to nothing about palm reading, 
and that it is shown primarily in oh, media depictions, fiction, as being something that is not really addressed specifically. In other words, in a movie, somebody goes have their palm read, and uh, the little lady takes it, and she says, oh, you know, even a man who is uh, virtuous and says his prayers at night being become a werewolf under whatever, okay? Uh, and we don't really talk about the lines. We don't really talk about the mounds. In those media depictions, because it's not really shown how it works, people don't have an understanding of how it works, and that makes it a area that is open for those who will engage in, hmm, how do I want to put this, chicanery um, to give false readings. Sometimes they'll just sort of make things up as they go along. Um, they'll read other things. They'll read things about you based on you know, how you presented your palm to them, or they're really looking at you and how you're dressed and things like that. Then they're looking at your palms. But I encourage you this week to go out and learn a little bit more about palm reading. And I think you'll be fascinated by it. And I think that you will find yourself some interesting information if you can find someone who can legitimately read palms and have them read for you. Up next, we're going to be going into the kitchen to talk about, well, you can make it into a salad.
Talhead. That was, in fact, Polk Salad Annie by Tony Joe White. And listen, guys, you have no idea how hard it is to find an appropriate song to go with this section of the show each and every week, so I think I get a cookie, too. Polk Root is an emetic when ingested, and in larger doses, it is a narcotic poison. Poke salad, the non-toxic greens that first appear from the poke plant in spring, have a respected history of use in American herbal medicine, where they are employed to purify the blood, and poke salad is a well-known dish primarily eaten by those that are considered to be economically challenged. In other words, if you eat poke salad, you're, you're poor. You're pretty bad off. Poke root is believed to rid one of evil spirits, ill health, and physical enemies. And I will give you two examples of how that is done. For a personal cleaning, you mix poke root with agrimony in uncrossing, jinx-removing, or reversing oil. Let the blend sit for a month, strain the herbs out, and rub the body downwards with the oil every day for 13 days to kill a jinx. Also, it can be used to drive off an enemy. Dried and powdered poke root is mixed with the dirt from an enemy's foot track and then blended into melted wax and thrown into running water to cause the enemy to move away. And you primarily find poke growing in the woods, at the edge of the woods, and in scrub or waste land. And Everyone in the South pretty much knows what poke is and can identify it by the beautiful kind of purplish reddish berries on it. And again, if to eat poke salad, uh, when you get the poke, you have to soak the poke leaves. Uh, these are the not very toxic uh, leaves that come on the poke in the spring, and you actually have to soak these suckers, okay? Otherwise, it's, it's pretty vile. Uh, but poke salad is pretty much cooked just the same way you would cook greens, uh, turnip greens. And again, it, poke has a fairly rich history in the South, and that history does intersect on a lot of economic lines. And so this week I would like you to go out and study a poke, learn about poke and where it comes from, and why does it have this economic uh, background to it, and why is it good for your blood? The information for uh, our In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week from Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magic of African American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood, and we thank her so much for its inclusion in the show, and parts and pieces of the Divination in You 
segment of the show come to us from readersandrootworkers.org, the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR. Why not stop on by there and take a look? There is a wealth of knowledge there and many, many excellent readers and workers who can help you. Well, folks, I'd love to stay. Been a long show. We had a lot to cover, but this is it. I got to go. Actually, I've got to go and go help uh, get Count Goulash, who has had yet another flat off the side of the road. So Johnny and I are going to drive out there with Miss Loretta and help him bring him a spare. So this is it. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Texas and go to Texarkana and double back to Fort Worth. Come on down to Dallas, turn call the kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City and Kansas City, St. Louis and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way to the
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.